I started uh, getting involved in men's ministry and men's Bible study and, and uh, just having opportunities to teach there and, and really grew with the men's ministry in, in both leadership and in teaching and, and helping and, and all those kinds of things. And about, about two and a half years ago, the Lord said to me, what are you doing pouring your life out into these old guys? And I was aware of the Grove, and I kept hearing, hearing little messages from, from, from the Grove that, gosh, we, we need older guys over here. You know, we need some father figures over here. And so I just started praying about it, and, and uh, so I thought, well, I'll give it a try, and came over here. And, and uh, the moment I walked in the door, uh, and this was about two and a half years ago, or two years ago, and... Uh, Several of the growers came up to me and they says, "Oh gosh, we really, really want you to be here. We'd love having you here." And I thought, "Okay, I'll start making steps." And so, I, I literally dropped out of men's ministry and my involvement, except for my Thursday morning men's Bible study. That's where my heart was. Uh, still go to that, but um, started coming here. And like like Paul said, no agenda, no special agenda, just to be here, get to know you guys, love on you. I mean, really, I mean, I thought I'd come here and be, well, I, really, Paul, do you think I had that much wisdom? I mean, I really, I mean, I, I like the accolades, but. <laughs> um, so, um, but I didn't feel like I really came here with great, wonderful things to say. And uh, so I really, and looking forward to this opportunity to, to, to share with you my life message. Um, I'm going to take my coat off. I'm ready to take the coat off. I don't even have to roll my sleeves up. Daryl Alvin Larry. Oh, thank you. Thank you, sir. No problem. Get my, get my notes out here. I was, I was born at an early age. That's... It's the only joke I've got this evening. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm, I'm as bad as, as uh, Pastor Mike. I mean, when, <laughs> when it comes to telling Mike jokes, I mean, <laughs> I'm worse. I, I had zero jokes. But uh, that one came. <laughs> I'm glad I got, I got the jokester joke laughing here. That's good. Um, this will be the most important message that you will ever hear in your life. And I'm serious. The thing is that you've already heard it. And you will hear it again. In fact, you will hear it for the rest of eternity and you will never get tired of hearing it. Tonight, you get to hear it from me. I'm the only one that can tell it the way that I know how to tell it. And each of you also have your own expression of this message that only you can communicate because God only made one of you. You're his special masterpiece. Each one of us are made in his image. Don't ever forget that. If you can grasp what God wants to communicate to you tonight, I promise it will transform the way that you think the way that you act, your understanding of Scripture, and every relationship you have 
including your relationship with God. If you, if it will give you joy, it will the deep power, and it will give you a greater understanding into the mysteries, the deep mysteries of God. I was fortunate as a young Christian in my late teens, early 20s, to, to grow up with a, a saying that was popular at the time. Uh, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. And so we were encouraged to develop relationship with God. But it's like, what does that look like? You know, what, what does it mean to have relationship with God? Um, and I went hard after God. I was one of those Jesus freaks, long hair, hippie. And I know, you're saying, I know, I knew that. <laughs> um, it's true. Uh, so we were all going hard after God, you know, going different places, doing different things for the Lord. And um, I decided to go to Bible school. Went to, uh, at the time it was called a Colorado Christian College. Uh, you might know it now as, uh, excuse me, it was called Rockmont College at the time. And now it's called Colorado Christian University. But um, graduated with my biblical studies degree because uh, that was part of my going hard after God. And when I graduated, I would not tell anybody that I thought that I might go to work for my mother at her flower shop. I was like, no way. I'm like, never going to do that. Well, I got married and with another woman, that, with a woman, another one, um, uh, that uh, she was going hard after God. In fact, that's, that was my criteria for a wife, was I would look for a woman that was going hard after God as well. And uh, take that as wisdom. I'll tell you, you're never going to lose on that one. Um, and when we had the opportunity to own our own business, because my mother was ready to sell us that business, we were like, okay, yeah, hey, let's go for it. So I retired a florist. <laughs> but the amazing thing is, is that uh, we uh, operated our business using biblical principles that I'd learned in Bible college. And then I was amazed that when all these success books came out, like uh, Stephen Covey and all these guys, they were, I said, I should have wrote that book. Because <laughs> they were the same principles. Praise God. Okay, let's get into some, some scripture here. Um, relationship. Why relationship? Why are we talking about relationship all the time? Well, let me put a little bit of scripture to that. Um, for one thing, Jesus taught us to call God our Father. What, you know, you're a child, he's his father. You, you know that from a very early age, that, uh, that you have relationship based on that you're a child and, and you have a father. Um, but another thing that, that the Lord teaches us, he said, I call you friends. As you're growing up, who are the most important people in your life? You know about relationship 
through your friends. I mean, your best friends that you hang with, and you know them. You know everything about them. You would trust your life with them. That's friendship. Jesus says, I want to be your friends. But there's even a deeper mystery than that. Because when your hormones start kicking into place and you discover the opposite sex, <laughs> you said it, I didn't. <laughs> um, you, you begin to understand that I want relationship with this person. Or, oh, well, maybe that, well, maybe that person, you know. But anyway, you are searching for relationship. You're searching for the best relationship. And, and I mean, there, yeah, I granted there's some people out there that, that want to be by themselves all the time, but that's the, that's the minority. Um, most of us want relationship. We're bred that way. That's who we are. We, we, we want to be with other people. And so this is one way that God communicates to us that he wants that same relationship. Um, he made us in his image. He made us in his image specifically because he wants relationship with us for eternity. He chose us to be, you know, one of the scriptures in the Old Testament that you hear over and over again is, I am their God, I will be their God, and they will be my people. That's relationship. I will be their God, and they will be my people. He pours out, giving them prosperity, guiding them through, teaching them lessons, punishing them when they need to be punished, just like a child. The whole nation, he's trying to teach them. Um, unfortunately, they continually fail because they didn't have regenerated hearts. Only because at the time, all they had was a law that was written on a piece of stone. But the new covenant says, I will write my law on their hearts. There's a scripture that says, um, the law was written not for good people who naturally obey the law and do the right thing. The law was written for evil people to tell them, hey, you're supposed to be acting like this. It shows us our sin. You've heard that message. Okay. But you're wondering what I'm really talking about. Let's go to, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. And I'm going to start reading at verse 14. Um, Paul is encouraging the believers in Ephesus. And he's telling them about the mysteries of God, about how God is going to bring unity between the, the Jews and the Gentiles. I mean, that was a big deal to them back then. But nonetheless, every family under heaven has their origin from God. But nonetheless, this prayer stands alone. Verse 14, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, 
being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. When I read this scripture, the word that pops out to me is love. And you've heard this message. This is the message I'm talking about. You've heard this message, a message of love. And, and you've probably heard this argument. If you ask 100 people what the definition of love is, you're going to get 100 different definitions. And I'll tell you that probably all of them have a little bit of truth to it. But the truth is, is that really there's only one definition of love, and it's God's definition of love. And that is my mandate in life, is to somehow communicate what is the love of God. What does it look like? What does it mean? What's the definition of God's love? And this is what, if you can grasp this, this is the transforming. Because um, I'm going to throw this out. This is a bonus tonight. Um, I, I developed a class called The Intimacy Factor. Um, and I'm going to write a book when I get to Kansas City. Um, I'll, I'll tell you more about that in a little bit. Um, called The Greatest is Love. Excuse me. No, love one another. You'd think I'd know what the name of the book is. Um, there's three words in the scripture that tell us about the character of God, who God is. This goes into identity. Um, one is that God is spirit. We, God, you can't see him. It's, you know, it's the wind, if you would say but spirit, and spirit is a noun. God is also light. Now, light, again, is a noun, and it represents, like, wisdom, knowledge, understanding. But there's another word that describes God that is a noun, meaning it is of his essence. It is who he is, and that is a scripture that says God is love. It's a noun. Now, love, granted, is both a verb and a noun. So love is action, but it is also being. It's part of it's his DNA. We are made in his image. When we are born again, there is a DNA of love in us. We're born of spirit. We're born of the knowledge of God. We're born with the love of the DNA of God. And this, I believe, this is what it means when it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's one thing to, to, to have the list of laws in front of you and try to obey those laws. But it's another to have it in your heart and act it out and live it in genuine, real life. This is the understanding that I want to somehow communicate and plant a seed in your hearts tonight of the deep love of God. Um, verse 17, being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge 
that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. When we grasp this concept and begin to let it grow and develop and act it out in our lives, we begin to be filled with the fullness of God. Joy wells up. Fullness of life wells up. An understanding of Scripture wells up that we've never had before. An understanding of relationships becomes real to us. We, it's like going from the cluelessness to the light comes on. This is exactly what it was for me. This is my own testimony because I was going hard after God and I knew all these things. I'd heard all these scriptures and all these teachings. But one day I read the scripture that talked about that we are the bride of Christ that this is a mystery that is, is hidden. And I thought, this is it. This is the intimacy factor. Because what relationship do you have in life that is any more intimate than the, than the relationship that you have or will have with your life mate, husband or wife? That's, you share everything with them. You are, I don't want to put thoughts in your head, but you're, you're, you're completely and totally vulnerable with each other if you can learn the love. And if you've learned this love, I guarantee you, if you grasp this, it will transform your relationship with your husband or wife or any other person that you, um, friendships. Um, now, I want to show you the key. I believe this is a verse that unlocks the key to understanding the love of God. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 22. And you've heard this verse preached over and over. Time again, but you'll never hear it like this. I'm going to start at uh, verse 34. Uh, Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they gathered themselves together. And one of them, a lawyer, take note of that, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, what is the great commandment of the law? It's like, oh. Here, we've got the law, we've studied the law, we know it, we've got it memorized, and we enforce the law. And, you know, I mean, if, if you were to say, what's, you know, what's the most important law? You know, maybe you would say, well, uh, don't kill anybody. You know, that's, that's a pretty good one. You know, don't, don't kill anybody. Don't, don't steal things. That's a pretty good one, too. You know, uh, treat each other like you want to be treated. Those are all good things. But he's asking Jesus, what is the Great, what's the great commandment of the law? And I find it interesting that instead of Jesus giving some commandment saying, don't do this and don't do that, he says, and he said to him, verse 37, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. 
This is the great and foremost commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I get this, verse 40. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Everything, everything in this book hinges on those two commandments. He said it. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Now, it seems kind of funny to me that God would say, you've got to love me. Well, gee, thanks, but, you know, I kind of like to have a choice. Well, that's kind of the idea. In fact, that's one of the definitions of love, in my opinion, is it's a choice. But I want us to look at the first one, and I want you to put up on the chalkboard, you shall love God, and on the other side is with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Now, what does all mean? It means, it means everything that you can muster up. I mean, when, when, when somebody says, give it your all, does that mean, okay, well, all I've got is the ability to sit on this couch and watch TV because I really can't do much else here. Um, that's not giving it your all. Giving it your all means really, you know, hey, I need to build myself up. I need to strengthen myself. If I'm going to become an athlete, go out for the Olympics and give it my all, that means I'm going to do some training. I'm going to strengthen myself. I'm going to start lifting weights. I'm going to start running. I'm going to start jogging because I have my eye on set on a prize to reach out for it. I'm going to give it my all. I believe that another way to look at this is the word wholeness, whole. I believe that God wants us to be whole. God wants us to be everything that he's created us to be. He, he wants to build us up so that we can become those athletes. In fact, I'm going to throw this out. I believe that right here is athletic training ground. Olympic training ground is going on right here. For those of you that are pressing into God, this is Olympic training ground right here. And, and you're going to carry what, you, what you've learned here at the Grove through the rest of your life. Um, so part of this is that God says, love me with everything you've got. Love me with all of yourself. Give it your all. But here is the interesting thing, because Jesus could not give this commandment without saying the second one. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Did you notice that over here, the first commandment was you shall love God, and the second one is you shall love your neighbor? Have you heard scriptures that say loving, you can't say that you love your neighbor, you can't say that you love God and you don't love your neighbor, you're a liar? It's because here is the grand parallel that, that loving God and loving your neighbor is very much the same. 
when we have opportunity to love other people, we are really loving God. We're loving Jesus. Because that's who people are in our lives to us. Because Jesus looks at that and, they say, and he says, you know, this person that I've set before you, I, 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 was, I was there. I was that person in prison. I was that person that needed a drink of water. But on the other side, you've got love as yourself. Love others as I love myself. We just saw a definition of what it means to love yourself. Wholeness of heart, wholeness of mind, wholeness of body. If, if you're weak and self-centered, you're not going to love other people. If, if you're kind of to yourself, but when you give yourself out and pour yourself out and become all you can be, that's when you can really help other people. Well, guess what? I'm supposed to love others as I love myself. So I'm building myself up. I'm letting God build myself up. But here is the, the final part of this key. When I'm loving other people, I'm trying to help them become all that they can be. I'm helping them build themselves up, encouraging them to become all that they can be, strengthening them, cheering them on, what, teaching, whatever it is, loving. That's the picture of love. Um, there is a misunderstanding of what love is in our culture. Because we flippantly throw that word, I love my coffee in the morning. I do. I love my, I do love. I have a pastor friend who comes uh, to my shop every week or two, or I should say two or three times a week, and he brings me a cup of coffee. I always want my cup of coffee from Walt. That's a blessed cup of coffee, I'll tell you. But every time it shows up, I'm just like so happy. And um, I love my coffee. But really... That's really not God's love. It's really, I really like my coffee. I don't love it like God's love. I like my coffee. You know, I like my house. You know, well, I love my house. But really, in our culture, a lot of times, love is simply a substitute for, I really like it a lot. That's not God's love. Um... I'm going to, uh, we've already covered that. 1 John 4.20, I'll just read it. Uh, 1 John 4.20 says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has seen. So for those of you that are taking notes, be sure to add that in. Um, I'm going to throw a definition of love out to you. And I say a definition because there's a lot of ways to look at this. Um, the unselfish passion to build relationships under the pretense to encourage another to grow to their fullest potential. You like that? Thank you. I'm gonna, I'll say it again. The unselfish passion to build relationships under the pretense to encourage another to grow to their fullest potential. 
Um, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is selfishness. Because when I'm, when I'm selfish, it's all about me. I'm not thinking about anybody else. You know, I'm number one. It's all about me. As long as I'm happy, everything's good. But that is not God's love. Um, I'm going to throw this out. It's kind of out of order, but it fits. Uh, we're still in 1 John, because the verse we just read was verse 20, but I want to back it up to verse 19. Um, let's back it up to 17. 16. <laughs> 15. <laughs> Let's back it up to 15. First uh, John chapter 4, verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. There's what I just mentioned. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also we are in this world. And I'm not going to preach on that verse. Meditate on that one. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. In other words, if I'm loving, if I'm loving other people, I've got a clear conscience that I'm doing the right thing. I'm being led of the Lord. When I'm being, when I'm being motivated by love, that's, if love needs to be your motivation in everything that you do. Let all you do be done in love. That's your motivating factor for everything that you do. Work, play, you name it. Okay, verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Now we talked about the the two great commandments. The two great commandments are that we're supposed to love. This verse precedes that. We love because he first loved us. What that means, and we sing it all the time. We, we rejoice in it. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. But to receive that, I mean, every day, every day we need to hear that. Every day we need to feel that. Because experiencing God's love is what brings transformation in our lives. We love because he first loved us. We're the channel. We receive it, and then we give it. And that is, is what acting out our salvation in fear and trembling looks like loving other people, first receiving from him. So if you don't feel God's love, press into it. Press into it because each one of us is his special masterpiece, and that's scripture. Now, I want to share with you the greatest example of love. 
Because I told you the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is selfishness. So what does unselfishness look like? Let's go to the John, the Gospel of John, and let's try 15. See what chapter 15 tells us here. Oh. Okay, verse 12. Jesus says, This is my commandment. Interesting that he says, first Jesus teaches what the two greatest commandments are. Then he says, I'm going to give you a commandment. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Oh, what does verse 13 say? Greater love has no one than this, than one lay down his life for his friends. Love is a sacrifice. We all know John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And that points directly to the cross. We say, the cross is the greatest example of love that was ever manifested on this earth ever or will ever be throughout eternity because Jesus wanted to show how far he would go to prove his love to us. That's the best way that I can tell it. God created us to love him back. He created us so he could love us but he wanted us to love him in return. It's a choice, and it still is a choice. But in the Old Testament, the choice was to obey the law. We showed our love to God by obeying the law and pressing into obeying the rules. And God blessed that. He blessed a lot of people because of it. But it just didn't stick. He wanted it to be real in our hearts. God didn't want it to no long, he didn't want it to any longer be a choice as to whether we could keep the law or not. So what he did is he wiped out every sin because all of us, all of us fall short. There's not one of us that has ever lived that life of perfection, of showing our love to God, loving people unselfishly, doing everything right, God's holy. God is holy. And he created us to be holy too. And as soon as, as, soon as you put that drop of dog poop in the glass of water, it's, it's not drinkable anymore. I'm sorry. You know? You're not going to drink it. You want that clear, clean, fresh water to drink. You, you, you want to have relationship with people that are going to be faithful to you not somebody that's going to be faithful one day and then the next they go and do who knows what, commit adultery, turn their back, steal something out of your back pocket. Sorry, I thought we had a great relationship. I'm sorry, but I can't trust you anymore. 
That's the same way that God feels towards an unregenerated heart. But he said, I don't want that to be the criteria any longer for the relationship between us. And so therefore, I'm going to place all of the blame on one man. I'm going to put all of my wrath on one man and say, this is where my wrath, this is where my punishment is going, is on my own perfect son. So that now I'm no longer looking at you as to whether you're a sinner or not. I'm no longer looking at you because I have wiped clean the sins of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I believe, I believe this, that God no longer looks at the sin of every human being. I mean, we still reap and sow. We, if we do wrong things, we're going to reap bad things. That's, not the, that's just the law of nature. It's going to come back. What we reap, we're going to sow. But it's not God pouring out his wrath on you. That's just, that's just the law of nature. That's the way God made things. We live in a fallen world. The truth is that now it's no longer the sin that separates you. The only thing that separates you is your very own choice. God says, I don't want it to be a matter of that. I want you to be able to choose me. I've chosen you. I now want you to choose me. Because if you will just choose me, we've got a great eternity together. I have got a great plan put together. You think it, you got it good here. I mean, I, a lot of you live wonderful lives and have great things going for you. And you've experienced those things. And, and you think that the world has got, you know, everything is going in your way and, and it's a good life. And then about the age of two, you discover it's not that way anymore. That was my second joke. Um, that's the greatest act of love. God loves us. We receive it. We receive him and we say, God, I want to choose you in return because I like the plan you have for eternity because I know what it's going to be like in heaven. It's one great big family. What else? I mean, think of the greatest times that you've had in your life, friends and family, getting together, laughing and having fun and barbecue, you know, you, whatever it is that, that, that you love doing. Take that and multiply it by 10,000 for eternity. And that's what God has. I just imagine heaven like being this great big huge living room, you know, sometime where we're just all sitting around and talking and chatting and playing games and singing and, you know, having good food. I mean... We're going to have the banqueting table, the banqueting table of the Lamb. I mean, you know, just, you know, you think of those um, medieval scenes where they got the big long wooden tables and they got the drinks on and the big legs of lamb and, you know, they're just all having a grand time. Man, that's what God wants for us. He doesn't want this discouragement and despair. He wants to take it all away. Father God, I worship you. I worship you with all my heart and my soul and my strength and my mind. I thank you, God, 
that you hold out your hand with amazing and wonderful promises that everything in this life is nothing but a shadow. Lord God, you have given us victory. You have given us peace. You have given us wonder. Lord, I just pray that you would make yourself known even more and more to us of the great plans that you have for us, that you really do want to carry us with your righteous right hand, that you really do want the best for us, God. And I pray that you would show us that every situation that we're in, that, you're, that it's there to draw us closer to you and give us the ability to choose you in spite of every situation that comes into our lives. And Father God, I pray that you would give us the strength to offer our lives as living sacrifices for your kingdom's glory, for your praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Larry, if you would stay up here for a minute. Um, Larry is getting ready to move. He and his wife are moving to Kansas City. Um, so we just want to honor you. Um, if everybody would extend their hands, we'd like to just pray a blessing. Today is probably the most important day of my life. This morning, we closed on our property. Uh, I've been in retail business for my whole life, and I'm not going to be in retail anymore. We, we sold our business, and I'm going moving to Kansas City. I'm starting a new life today, and I'm so... And this, me getting to share with you guys, believe me, this was such an honor. Thank you.